Hello, welcome to Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers, Superintendent Schools for ALEF ISD. And once again, thank you to those of you who are watching or listening to this week's episode. I am always grateful for uh, people's interest in, in our school district or in the topics that we uh, we try to discuss uh, that are relevant uh, to education and other aspects of, of our community and, and just our, our lives. So, again, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, this week, I have two guests that if you have followed Impact Ed for the last year or so, a couple of years, you've you've heard these ladies visit with us before. And uh, today we're going to talk about pre-K and uh, early childhood, I guess, pre-K meaning four-year-olds specifically. But there's been a lot of a lot of banter, a lot of discussion over the last 12 or 13 months since uh, since COVID forced us to shut our schools down. Uh, the discussion and banter has been about the learning losses and the the missed opportunities that many children uh, have experienced uh, during the school year, whether they missed it because they chose to stay home because of concerns, whether they missed it because of uh, choosing to remain online and trying to learn remotely and, and all the difficulties that go along with that. And also just uh, the fact that we have a lot of families and a lot of young children, three, four, five, six-year-olds who have experienced some trauma through the last 12 months that are going to, that's going to impact any child. So uh, we're going to talk about early childhood education. We're going to talk about the, uh, what we think has, has occurred over the last 12 or 13 months, academically, socially, emotionally to our, uh, particularly our four-year-olds who are getting ready to be five-year-olds and to those three-year-olds who are going to be four-year-olds who, who may be eligible for our pre-K program next year. Uh, but we're going to talk about strategies that we have and that we're planning over the next several years to put in place to try to begin overcoming these losses. So the two ladies I referenced earlier are Miss Kathy Yon. Kathy is our executive director over curriculum and instruction, and one of the areas in which she provides support and resources for is, is early childhood slash pre-K. And then Mari Martinez, who is our kind of coordinates all of our early childhood programs and you know, if you've ever had a group of four-year-olds in your house, it's like herding cats. So Mari has the responsibility of herding all those little kittens, as well as all the teachers that uh, that have chosen to teach them. So uh, Kathy and Mari, thank you for joining us with Impact Ed. And I will, uh, I'm, I'd like to start the conversation with the, <clears throat> the last 13 or 14 months from your, from your perspective, what is, uh, what might we, <clears throat> we expect whenever, uh, the 21-22 year school year rolls around, and we have five-year-olds in kindergarten who did not participate in a pre-K program as a four-year-old, or maybe they did and they weren't as involved. What is our overall concerns about the losses that are that are taking place right now with our three and four-year-olds not being in a in a quality program? And I'll, you know, I'll let either one of you guys start, but but let's let's talk about that right at first, and then we'll get into some of the other topics. Let's talk a little bit about uh, logistics and numbers just to start the conversation. Last March, March of 2020, um, we had approximately 2,500 four-year-olds sitting in our pre-K classrooms. And so when we immediately moved to a learn-from-home environment last spring, um, we sent 2,500 four-year-olds home to learn. And the idea that the learning was going to be the same as it has been in their classrooms was unrealistic for a variety of reasons. This year, our enrollment uh, started a little bit slow, but at this point, we are at about 1,700 four-year-olds sitting in our 
um, classrooms and by sitting in classrooms, I also mean face-to-face -face and virtual, but total enrollment is about 1,700. So we're at a deficit of about 1,800 or 800 rather um, students who we expected to be in classrooms this year. So the numbers, the sheer numbers are, are concerned for us from, from the starting point. That means that, that basically means we have, uh, theoretically, we have roughly eight or 900 current four-year-olds that will show up as a five-year-old to a kindergarten class somewhere. Could be a leaf, could be if they move, I mean, it could be anywhere, but they're going to show up to a kindergarten teacher's class without any experience, the benefit of a, of a pre-K experience, right? Correct. They are students that we anticipated having in our in our classrooms this year who would be learning uh, with their peers, getting all of the readiness skills for kindergarten. We just don't have those students under our watch or under our instructional plan for this year. And that's a problem, right, Maury? <laughs> it is a problem. Um, and But surprisingly, the areas that concern us as a department is not necessarily the academics pieces, you know, whether they know their letters or where they're coming in knowing their numbers. For us, it's more those areas that are not as evident, that social emotional piece, the oral language development piece, because these children, we don't know where they've been. We don't know if who's taking care of them. Are they, are they developing language as we would have wanted to mm -hmm. work on? And as we've been working with the pre-K students that are in our classrooms right now, you know, with everything going on with COVID and the pandemic, one of the things that has been affected is there's no, there's not a lot of socialization, but there's a lot of stress going on, even for our little children, even for four-year-olds, they, they notice, they, they know that things are going on that are not okay. The way that they deal with stress is through play, through talking, through interacting with other children and through interacting with adults. And when we cut that out, you don't give them a, a, a place for them to express their emotions, to talk through them, to work through what's, what's happening. And so that is something that we've been very focused on this year with our pre-K teachers in trying to make sure, okay, even with keeping centers, learning centers, which is where they go in and they, they play and they learn about what, what's going on in their classrooms right now, even if we can't sit next to each other, what are some ways that we can incorporate some playful experiences and some opportunities for them to talk within the classroom or within a virtual environment? We've been working really hard on that. So when you, we have children that are coming from home and they may not have had those, those experiences, that worries us going into kindergarten. I mean, adults call it decompress. I, I hear this all the time. I need to go decompress. And we all have our own <laughs> strategies for decompressing. The four-year-old decompressing, like you said, is playing. Is it's playing. Yeah. That's how they do it. Yeah. Uh, in a normal situation, that is a learning curve for all four-year-olds coming into pre-K. The way that they interact with family or close friends and relatives is very different than they react to school environments or adults that they have not been familiar with before. So on top of that, the stress of the past year could put our children in a different different view, right. uh, socially, emotionally speaking, um, based on those stresses that they haven't had an outlet for um, in the past year. You don't see many children out playing during this time because of safety concerns. And so there's an additional kind of desert for that opportunity, as you say, to decompress. You only get to be four one time, right? That's Is, correct. Right. One of you guys talked just a little bit about the brain development at that time. And 
and why we have been pushing so long and so hard for full day pre K or full day quality pre K. This missed opportunity, I, I, and I maybe I don't want to mischaracterize this. I think there is opportunities for us to go back and take care of and address some of this unfinished learning. But it is true. A hard fact is these four-year-olds will never be four again. In the time, uh, the last 12 or 13 months of their cognitive development, we don't get to go back and do that again. I know that concerns all of us for, for the very reasons you said on the social-emotional side as well as the academic side. Could you talk just a little bit about, as, as a parent, if you're a parent and you've got a four-year-old and you, you just heard, oh, my God, my child missed out on something as a four-year-old, what, what are they missing out on? Do, is, there, is there a way to quantify or qualitatively explain that? Well, I think, you know, we've always talked about the research says over 90% of the brain is developed by age five. Mm -hmm. So as a parent, I would be very concerned if I wasn't able to to have my child be in in a pre-K classroom this year for, you know, all the reasons that we know. Um, But for example, one of the things that we've been trying to do and and working on is to let also parents know these are some things you you could still do at home, provide as much as you can those playful experiences, maybe connect through through. Zoom or mm-hmm. through FaceTime to, with other children so that the kids can can play together. Um, there are all these programs that, that are because of everything that's been happening this year that they're providing these opportunities so that kids, even if it is virtually, sit them down, let them talk to other children or you yourself as an adult, sit down, go down to their level, play with them, have conversations with them. Uh, let's do some sing-alongs. Let's walk around outside. Let's take notice of things that you're seeing and things like that so that you're developing that language as well. It's not, it's not too late. As a parent, you can still, you can still help them out. It's not like a, a gloom and doom where okay, they didn't go to pre-K. That is it. No, there are yeah. things you can do. One of the things, and we'll talk about this later, one of the things that, that's happening in the next few weeks is we have pre-K and kindergarten round up. And one of the things we'll be doing is talking to to the families during during that event about here are some things you can still do at home to help your child be ready for when they come into to kindergarten or to or to pre-K as as the case may be. Well, well talk let's talk about that. Uh, this notion that what has occurred over the last year or so is going to impact those children who have not had a, had an experience. It is. You're right. It's not doom and gloom. It's not Oh my God, my child missed pre-K, so therefore he or she's never going to make it. That's not obviously the case. I don't want to come across with that way. However, I think it's fair to say, and it's almost common sense to say that there is some catching up that needs to be to take place. There is, there is, there's, there's, there's definitely, and you know, when we look at our data for our students that are currently with us, you know, the areas that always we highlight or the, that the, the flag is like I said, that oral language, that vocabulary development, those are areas that, because this is the time to develop that yeah, language. This right. is the time when this is happening. And we are providing in the classrooms opportunities for this. And so if that's not happening, then yes, you're going to see, you're going to see gaps and you're going to see some areas where they're going to be falling yeah. behind. I think if you're a parent or if you're a teacher, you focus on, okay, what are my next steps? Not necessarily what has happened and what didn't happen, but focus on what can I do now? Uh So as a parent, what can you do now is get your child enrolled so that we can have them in a classroom in Ailey ISD for the next school year. And we have several resources and opportunities, both through the early childhood webpage and um, through our family centers where parents can engage in some activity now to really jumpstart. And then for teachers, 
if we didn't have students engaged, then how can the instructional department and the early childhood coaches help you as the teacher to welcome those kids into your classrooms and give them some necessary um, additional uh, support to make sure that we can catch them up as quickly as possible? You know, the timing of the roundup, Mari, that you mentioned earlier and 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 trying to engage parents. I know that we have a lot of families that are still that are still uh, highly concerned with uh, with the virus and they're highly concerned with, you know, exposing themselves or their child and their child being exposed and coming back home because of all the reasons we know that that families are are worried. Uh, Can you all talk about just what we're doing to try to incentivize, not well, I guess incentivize, but encourage parents to look at the roundup? And we're we literally are trying to round up families of these children and educate them on the things that we've been talking about. So maybe talk a little bit more in detail about what our plans are, the dates, how a parent can can engage themselves in this and, and how they can get their child signed up. Talk a little bit about that, please. Yes, uh, our pre-K and kinder roundup will be held virtually on Thursday, April 8th at five o'clock. And if you, as a parent, if you visit your home campus website page, you will get more information as to how to sign up for the event and how you will receive a Zoom link to connect uh, during that evening. Uh, But you should also don't wait until the roundup. Go ahead and get your child uh, enrolled. And you can do that by going to www.alefisd.net slash EC. Um, And that webpage will have questions, uh, an FAQ section. It also has steps as to what you need to do. It takes you through what documents you may have to, to bring or you may need to submit for enrollment. So we're, we're definitely encouraging everybody to enroll now and to visit the pre-K and the kinder um, roundup. One of the things that we're um, working with our campuses on for that evening is making sure that they're providing some examples of how right now we are maintaining safety guidelines in the pre-K and the kinder classrooms. We want to make sure that, you know, show videos, show pictures of the learning that's happening in those classrooms while still maintaining safety and, and, and the protocols. We're very proud of that. We're very proud of the work that the teachers are doing in each of our pre-K and kinder classrooms to keep children learning, but also uh, safe. And yeah. so we wanted to make sure that we highlighted that during that event so the parents can see firsthand this is what it's going to look like. The other thing that's important is that as parents go on the website to begin the registration process, the campus registrars will reach out to families individually so that they can ensure that all the proper documentation, all of the papers um, that are necessary, all of the data that they'll need on a family in order to register a child can be inputted into our registration system early on. That's going to help us with planning, one for planning for safety, but also planning for staffing, making sure that we're ready to take the additional 800 kids back once the school year starts, because we've had to make some staffing decisions and move folks around to ensure that all of our classrooms are covered. And one of the hardest hit areas was our early childhood classrooms. So pre-K and kindergarten had some staffing implications with the decrease in enrollment And we want to make sure that we're prepared because they're some of the neediest children. When you talk about welcoming kids back to a school year, you have to teach kids at that age how to do school. So you have to teach them, you know, how to go to a cafeteria or how to go to dismissal areas. And we want to ensure that we have appropriate staff. So the earlier that our families register, the earlier we can plan not only for safety guidelines with COVID, 
but also just to ensure that we have effective supervision in place for all of the little ones as they come back. And also, I just want to, if I could piggyback on that, Kathy, if you need any help, if you have any issues as you're trying to enroll or as you're entering and starting the process, reach out to us, reach out to your campus registrar, reach out to my department, reach out to student services, reach out and we will help you through this to make sure that you you can enroll your child and and help you with any 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 part of the process that's difficult. If it sounds like we're we're recruiting or rounding up, it's because we are. I don't think any of us, uh, particularly those of you that do what you guys do for a living and specifically looking at uh, children, how they learn, what what strategies works best for certain groups of kids. I can't overemphasize how important the pre-K, kinder, first grade years are for the reasons Mari stated earlier. We, yes, we are recruiting. We are, we're doing everything we can do to try to help parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and those who are in the decision-making roles of children trying to look out for the best interests of their own child. We're trying to help ease the safety side of that, as Maury said. There's a sense of urgency that at least I feel a sense of urgency that is beginning to manifest itself over the last 12 or 13 months that if we don't do what we're doing and if other districts, and I'm sure they are, but if we're not all actively aggressively in some cases, recruiting and educating and rounding them up, if, if you will, then we run the risk next fall of having a not, maybe not as severe shortage of, of students in pre-K, but we do run that risk because there, there won't be a pediatric vaccine at that time. There's still going to be families that are going to be concerned. So one cohort, you know, one year's worth of pre-K is enough. We need everyone that's that, that's eligible to be in a pre-K program or, or that's four-year-old to be in some type of program. So, so yeah, if you sense a sense of urgency, it's because it's there. It, it is there. In addition to that, Mr. Chambers, it really does have a long-term implication. Through lots of work that's happened in ALEAP over the past few years, we've sort of adopted this mentality of we're responsible almost from cradle to career. And so when students don't start um, in our schools at four years old, and don't have all of the opportunities to develop that oral language proficiency, that vocabulary, their literacy development can be delayed. And one of our goals is certainly to have students reading on level by third grade. Well, if they've missed a few of the initial touch points for development, that would put them a little bit behind. And we know in order for them to be successful later on in their middle school and high school coursework, eventually in the career world, they have to have those literacy see skills solidly planted in their brains so that they can use them in meaningful ways. And so there really are long-term implications of us not rounding up as many of the four-year-olds as we can, because the implications are very deep as you move through a child's career in school to their life in career. So that's really important to us. It's a board priority that we have kids reading on grade level by third grade, and having them in our classrooms is the most critical piece to getting that ball rolling. We will continue discussing that part of this issue, which is just getting them, the the parents and the students, making them aware, helping them, as, as Mari mentioned. And I know invariably this will happen, but I don't want a parent to say, I, I didn't know where my child was supposed to go to school or I didn't know how to access it or I didn't know how to do that. To the extent we can eliminate that, that's what we're attempting to do. We don't want that to be an excuse. I, I would much rather a parent say, I made the choice to keep my child at home or I made the choice not to do this as opposed to I couldn't figure it out or no one 
no one was willing to help. We all uh, acknowledge that's unacceptable uh, to us. Again, if you've paid attention daily fasting in the last six, seven, eight years, uh, you've heard us talk a lot about early childhood. Our uh, we had a bond referendum that dedicated eighty-five million dollars to pre-K facilities. So. This community has spoken up, our school board has spoken up, our administration, our teachers, our families have spoken up, and and we've all agreed that this is a critical component of of our mission in our district, which is to educate our our earliest and most vulnerable learners. So with that, uh, maybe uh, is a way to uh, incentivize, if you're a parent listening to this, or a guardian, talk about what we're doing with our new facilities and then what we're doing with our existing facilities that... It's going to be hard to paint this picture by describing it. So no one, what we're getting ready to do is not going to do justice to what, <laughs> to what we're, what's being described. But let's talk about a little bit about the experience that, that we're trying to adjust for our earliest and youngest learners. And I'll let either one of you guys, just let you guys talk about that. So let me segue a little bit and then I'll let Mari get deep into the curriculum aspects and development um, there that is happening for those exciting times. We have 14 of our campuses that are currently offering full-day pre-K. We have a few campuses that aren't able to yet because of capacity. And so because of that, we are excited to announce that we have two early childhood centers on the way. Both of those centers come out of the 2015 bond referendum. So the community voted that that was a priority for our community. And those early childhood centers will open in the 22-23 school year. And they are going to be exciting places for kids to learn. We also have to provide a very equitable early childhood experience across campuses that will not have students in the center. We will be bringing the experiential learning to the campuses and we'll have the same kinds of classroom experiences available at any campus in Elite ISD. So you won't be any worse off if you are um, on a campus than if you're in the new early childhood centers. So a lot of curriculum work going on behind these thematic experience-driven classrooms. And I'm going to turn it over to Mari and let her give you a deeper dive into that work. Uh, well, yes, I'm very, very excited about what's coming. And so these, these experiences, uh, what it means is that instead of your typical classroom, your typical pre-K classroom, you will have, it's an, it's an experience room for lack of a better word. And in, and we have 12 different experiences that we've created. There's, uh, and I'm just going to name a few. I'm not going to name all of them, but you'll have a farm to table uh, experience and you'll have a space city experience, a hidden forces, our community going places experiences. And what happens is that we've done the research we know that our youngest learners, they learn through hands-on, they learn through interactive, playful experiences. And so what we wanted to do was bring a little bit of the world to our students. We wanted to bring some of that to them. A lot of them are not able to, to travel as much or to visit all these places. And so what we are, we're trying to do is create these classrooms so that they can experience it firsthand. If I could Maybe do an example of what, what the difference would be. In your typical pre-K classroom, if you wanted to learn about the different animal habitats, you would read books. Maybe as a teacher, you bring a video that you show them. Uh, and, and you, you, know, you have the toy animals so the children can play with it. Well, in our experiential classrooms, within the classroom, you could, you could step into the area where is the, the Arctic 
and all around you, it looks like you're in the snow and there's a sled with a husky, a husky, a, a life-size husky where they can, they can play. Or you can go into, a, you know, another area and there's a, a life-size bear that instead of playing with the little bear in the classroom, you're, you're in there, you're, you're learning it firsthand. There are beautiful, beautiful graphics on the walls all around them, on the ceilings, on the, the floor, so that the children really, it's like they're immersed in that place, in that experience itself. The, we're creating activity guides to go with each of the rooms which means while the students are there, they're learning. Everything that they're learning has to do with learning about that environment, the, the, the vocabulary that they're going to be learning, the books that they're going to be reading, the activities, the centers that we're going to be creating. Everything will have to do with that experience. And that's being carefully crafted and created throughout this entire year. And in addition to that, and we're not going to leave that out, in addition to that, we're also, this is our adoption year for a new curriculum. We can't say yet which one it is, but I do want you to know that the one that we've chosen is one that will be aligned perfectly with these experiences so that the children can get the most out of their year in, in pre-K. And then if you talk about the actual construction of these centers where these great experiential classrooms are going to be, actual structures, the two early childhood centers are developed with four-year-olds in mind. The hallways will be wide, clear sight lines for safety. They'll have sensory walls, meaning when children walk down the walls, they like to drag their hands and they like to touch things. And so everything has been um, and will be constructed for children's developmental needs. So kids can touch the walls and they'll have ridges and bumps and things that, that are sensory that are part of our pre-K guidelines that they learn at that age. Um, and the building will be designed for that. Very interactive play and movement areas. It's important that our kids are healthy learners. And so that active play outside will occur in both of the centers. And the safety of our children, that outdoor play space is, is included within the walls of the building. So there will be no room for students to accidentally wander off the playground or see something they might want because the building is actually built around those learning spaces. There will be music and art. There will be, you know, action-based learning um, as a part of their daily routines. The building also includes what we call collaboration space. And so a collaboration space will be in the center of four classrooms and students will come together in that collaboration space for a variety of reasons. One of them is for eating. When it is safe to put all of our kids back at a table again and have them eat together, it will hit the, the family environment of sharing meals and that you sit down together at a table and you have conversations while you're eating, sharing the actual food that's on your table. There will be a very different approach to, to just eating in, in schools and kinds of things that can happen within that setting. There are actually pre-K standards that we can hit through having kids in that collaboration space together, because again, it's about the oral language development. It's about the interaction. Yeah, social um, emotional piece. Social emotional. And so the building is not just a building. It's not just a brick and mortar where we're going to send a bunch of four-year-olds. The building has been designed with the developmental needs of students in mind first, and families. There will be uh, a family engagement area where parents can come into the building. They will be able to do learning as well. 
that will help them to impact their child's educational career, all the while keeping kids safe and making sure that academically they have everything they need in that place. I'm glad you said that, Kathy, because it's true. Every single aspect of those buildings has been very carefully selected, thought out. And every single conversation we've had, like you mentioned, we've had the pre-K guidelines and standards right next to us. It, everything is very, very purposeful. And so one thing that came out of those conversations very early on and, and in our in our district was, so what happens to the students that are not going to be able to go to the centers? That's where these, and I'm still mobile units or convertible classrooms, they are creating these experiences for those campuses that will continue to have pre-K in their campus. So So that is a more equitable across the district. And so we are, these same 12 experiences will be created so that each campus can have, for example, a room where they'll they'll convert that room into that farm to table room. And then students will be able to learn in it and, and experience time in it, and then we'll switch it out and make it the hidden forces room or the going places room. And so even that aspect of it has been thought out that it is, this is not just for the two, the students that are going to the two centers. This is for, we're working right. across the district to make sure that all of our students are getting these experiences. And I know not everyone has, but if you've ever taken your child to a museum, like a children's museum, it could be a natural science whatever it is, that has so far been my best analogy to explain what what the pre-K centers that we're building right now, as well as the experience on our campuses are going to be like. You can't go to a museum these days and just, well, I guess you can if you find an old boring one where you just walk around and look at stuff in the museum. But you go to museums now and they're interactive. You're engaged and you're, if you get bored walking around looking at old stuff, this way keeps you engaged because not only are you looking at things and learning about things, but you're actually playing. You're, it's providing information for you to, to grow your knowledge, and you don't even realize it. I mean, that's the magic of education sometimes is you're just you're putting kids in environments and they're learning and they don't even realize they're learning. I'll stop for one second and tell you how proud and uh, I am of Mari and Kathy and other members of the Early Childhood team because they have continually pushed and pushed for not only for programming and for funds for their for these four-year-olds, but for the right type of facility and the right type of environment for a teacher to be able to actually perform their craft of educating these early early childhood learners. And I, I want parents to know this, and I don't know how many parents are going to watch or listen to this, and I don't know how many are going to how, how many is going to get to. But the thing that that I want you to know is that all of us, Mari, Kathy, myself, our school board. We want the best environment. We want the, I mean, I, I don't mean almost the best. I don't mean we, we're trying to get close. I mean, we want the best environment that any child could, or any family or parent would expect for their for their own children. That's what we're attempting to do. And so going back to this, the first topic we talked about, about the loss, the learning losses and this assumption and, no, and knowledge and the sense of urgency on the, the catching up, you know, for those that didn't have it. And then these facilities and our approach to it, uh, I just want families to know that this is a this is an opportunity that you you'll never get again, you'll never have again for your children. And we want we want them engaged and we want them involved. My goal is to have so many students in early childhood that we have to build additional buildings. That's what I want. I want the four year olds and five year olds. I want every family to put their child in these environments and force the school board and myself 
uh, to either ask tax, taxpayers for more money or for, to find more money to build more to build more classroom space for these kids. That's how important this is. Many times parents ask, you know, is it important that they're in pre-K? Can't they just start school in kindergarten? These early childhood centers will be just for our four-year-old pre-K students. And the kinds of experiences that they'll have, the hands-on opportunities, the learning that will happen within these centers is critical to them moving into kindergarten more than ready, probably more ready than they've ever been before because of these experiences. And so this is, if parents, if you're asking yourself, do they have to be in pre-K? Can I not just send them to kindergarten? I don't think they'll want to miss these experiences or the opportunity for that brain development that could occur in a center in a building like this. This is the reason to put your child in a pre-K before they come to kindergarten because of the opportunities that they will have in these kinds of classrooms, whether it's on our campuses where we're bringing in these mobile units or whether it's in the center where the uh, classrooms will be more stationary. It's important to have a student give them that opportunity to experience the learning in a very different way than any other district in our area is doing. The opportunities are endless for these centers, but many times we get questions about why do they need to be in pre-K? Can't they just start in kinder? This is one of the reasons why they should be there. And also I wanted to mention that the experiences, you know, when our team sat down to try to decide, okay, which thematic, which themes we would put in these experience rooms, our list was, as you can imagine, it was very long. So the way that we narrowed it down a little bit was we looked at not just the pre-K guidelines, but we looked into kinder and first grade and second grade. What are some of those um, topics or standards that students that our students need to know about, what background information they need to know about so that they're successful. And that's how we narrowed it down. It was even the themes have been carefully chosen so that they are reaching to the potential that that they need to be so that students are successful, not just in pre-K, but in kinder and first and second grade, because we're this is long-term, like Kathy mentioned, this is not just for one year. This is what they're learning that will help them in the years to come. And then Kathy mentioned that the centers will open in the year 22-23, but I just wanted to, to let parents know that these mobile experiences, these experiences will be in the full day classrooms next year. So those full day campuses will have this starting in the fall of next year. So you definitely, your child is pre-K, is going to be pre-K age next year. I would not wait. I would enroll them today. As soon as you hear this message, go ahead and enroll. Mari, those are the, the mobile units you're talking about are in the 14 full day programs that we have right now. Correct. For incoming four-year-olds, I guess. Correct. So they will be, and they'll, they'll be ready to go starting in the fall of the 21-22 year. Those thematic uh, classrooms were also chosen very regionally minded. There's an our community um, experience room that is about our community. I don't want to give away too much. There will be a sneak peek architecture video about to hit our website soon where people will get to see a view, but there was a lot of purpose and intention in the selection for the thematic rooms because we wanted students to be proud of the community that Aleaf is and the cultural and diversity of the area. The Space City, obviously Houston is about Space City. Mari mentioned that is one of the areas. We also have an international district um, room, a Gulf Coast room. 
So we didn't just choose from a, you know, like fairy tale list of rooms and, and do it. We were very intentional and very specific about what we exposed our kids to that we found value in. And we find value in the A-Leaf community, which is why these centers are being built. And that value will be experienced in one of those classrooms. There, there should be a lot of excitement. I mean, I've never met a parent, no matter what the situation is. I've never met a parent, met a parent who doesn't want the best for their child. We have many parents that sometimes are not sure how to provide the best for their child. And you have recent immigrants to our country. You've got language barriers. You've got uh, financial barriers. There's all kinds of reasons why there's a, you know, there's a lot of people that say, well, I didn't know or I wasn't aware or I wasn't sure how to do that. Hopefully those of you that are watching or listening to this, the message is let us help you. Let us, let us help you help your child because it will happen. It will happen and the, you know, Kathy alluded to this very briefly earlier about the impact of not having a quality pre-K experience or a quality kindergarten experience as a five-year-old or a quality first grade experience as a six or seven-year-old. The impact of that, we can't overemphasize that it is a ripple effect unless we have a chance to come in and help overcome that loss. And so, yes, while we're talking about a facility and in the the design of it and the opportunities for our kids at the core of it is going to be our teachers, always be our teachers. It's going to be them teachers learning how to teach in a different way. Mari said, if you look at a pre-K program now, it's in a classroom and it's, it's a, it's a bit of a little playground slash school, you know, cause you got a bunch of little four-year-olds. Teachers can have to learn to teach in a different environment when we start putting them in a, in a NASA environment or in a international district type environment and kids are learning it through experiences and hands-on. So I know I'm just trying to echo what Kathy and Maury have, have said about the experience and how critical that is right now. If not, it could manifest itself into a problem for not only for children, but for our, for our society uh, in the, in the future. Kathy, you talked earlier, or you and I talked offline about this and I, I think it needs to be discussed is our extremely successful efforts to begin working with our private daycare partners out in the community. I'm not exaggerating here. We were probably best in the state of Texas is, uh, at, at that with our approach, with our success rate. Uh, and then COVID hit. Uh, maybe share a little bit about what that public-private partnership, when I say public-private, public being the school system, private being privately owned daycare facilities, whether it's in a strip center or a standalone Many of our children who are going to come to us as four and five year olds are in these programs as infants and one and two and three year olds. Kathy, talk about the how COVID's impacted that and how we continue trying to rebuild that. So we have a collection of daycares that have been working with AWPISD for several years in partnership, and we have staff members who work with the teaching staff in those daycares to align the opportunities for a three year old or a four year old in a daycare setting. So that when they come to elite schools, that they have had some quality teaching experiences. We give the professional learning to the teachers that are in those daycare settings. And obviously, when last spring, people's work situations changed dramatically. They were in a service business. Services, you know, shut down for a while. Parents may have been out of work or between job situations. And so they weren't sending their children to daycare, but they were keeping their children at home. The daycares, of course... And were greatly impacted by that. The community spirit of daycares being a vibrant part of our community, those daycare providers and daycare directors had to make some difficult decisions about 
You know, were they going to close down? Were they going to have to reduce staff? We have continued that partnership this school year, but it has been a struggle for our daycares to stay, you know, above water as far as the number of students that are coming into their centers to be cared for every day and the number of teachers that they are able to hold on to for the variety of things that are happening in people's family lives right now. So we are going to continue to keep that partnership going. We have the staff in place to support the teachers and the professional learning that occurs. We've still met with all of our daycares remotely this year and have done remote coaching. But parents, as you're considering daycare options, as more workplaces are opening and job opportunities are starting to pick up, as you're choosing a daycare, please look for the A-Leaf banner because all of our partner daycares have received a banner so that they can advertise this partnership. And if you are thinking, wow, these opportunities that you're talking about, early childhood centers, mobile units and classrooms, I want my child to be involved in that. Even if your child's not four yet, you could be choosing a daycare that's partnered with us. So there's a stream of consistent practice and opportunity for your child as they embark in their daycare to school to career Mm -hmm. uh, pathway is we're very aligned with our district partners. If you're a daycare provider and you're one of our partners and you're listening right now, we are happy to partner with you even through these COVID times. And if you're a daycare that maybe isn't partnered with us yet, but but is interested in those opportunities, we are always looking for opportunities to partner with you and show our community that this is not just a isolated, when you get to A-Leaf, you're an A-Leaf, when you leave us, you're gone. This really is a, um, a community effort to do what's best for our, our families and our students so that they are successful and continue to be productive citizens in the A-Leaf community once they leave us. Very good. I, this is not a, a conversation that only rests at our feet. It rests with a lot of people's, it are a lot of people's feet. So, I mean, we've got, as you mentioned, we've got daycare facilities. We have churches with programs, uh, obviously our program. So our children are our children. They're not mine. They're not yours. They're they're ours. And I'm cautiously optimistic that we can rebuild. Well, I'm optimistic we can rebuild relationships with, with pre-K, you know, daycare centers, et cetera. What, what dampens my optimism a little bit is just is the, is making sure that we begin getting families to, to trust and allow the, the safety and security issue to be, to be addressed and then get their children back into a, into that structured setting. That's, that's my greatest fear of going into the 21-22 school year is, is, is just that. This has been helpful. I want to, before we wrap this up, I would like, Mari, to just remind everyone about the Roundup. While there's a formal Roundup, there's also informal. We, we t- we're taking registrations every day. Could you maybe just remind everyone one more time about the Roundup and what it means and what we're trying to do? But there's more, yes. than, there's more than one opportunity to get signed up. Get your child definitely, up. definitely. I I would say enroll now. Don't wait. Enroll and um. Let me just say the website again is www.alefisd.net/slash ec. The letters ec right? Early childhood ec, EC for early childhood. Yes. Okay, make sure it's not easy. Um. So enroll your children today, and then also participate in our pre-K and Kinder virtual roundup next Thursday, April eighth at five o'clock and each campus will have information in their own website about what that 
evening event will look like. And there will be a lot of information, again, like I mentioned before, about, you know, what are the, some of the things that are going on right now in our pre-K and kinder classrooms to make sure that learning is going on in a safe way. So definitely participate. If you don't know which one is your home campus, give us a call. We'll help you with that piece. Or if you have any problems or any questions about the enrollment process, please call your campus, call us, call, you know, by us, I mean, early childhood department, student services, call any of us and we'll make sure that you get uh, the information that you need. Great. Great. Kathy, any last words from your perspective? So with all of these exciting things happening, we couldn't fit everything into this one little time block. Please refer to our social media sites for updates of things that are coming, exciting things that are coming in the early childhood world, as well as just general ALEAP ISD announcements. We will have, as I said, that sneak peek video to what one of the centers will look like moving forward in the planning. Also referencing our early childhood website has a variety of resources for you. If you have questions, if you reach out to either Mari or myself through the ALEAF page, we will be glad to, to help with that. But there's some exciting things coming down the road. We have some planning going on also for potential summer opportunities for parents to get kids back and engaged in learning. We're not quite ready to disclose full details on that, but please continue to follow ALEAF ISD, whether it's the Facebook page, the Twitter page, or the website to look for opportunities. We're ready for your children to come back. We're excited about what will happen when they get here and the learning that you'll see. But please stay posted with with updates because we have exciting things happening. Again, thank you for your not only for today, but for what you what you guys have done. I know Mari has a huge team of early childhood staff. <laughs> I say that with a wink and a nod. And a, it's so funny, it's making her crack up. Uh, but we're attempting to do everything we can do to, to provide opportunities for families. And there is a sense of urgency. I know I keep saying that, but there is a sense of urgency that we feel. So one more time, the website, www.aleafisd.net backslash E-C, the letters E-C, and or check your, your child's school or your, your school's website if you have children, or if you know the school that's in your attendance zone. But we're going we're gonna to be opening up these facilities. The 14 full day in a school are going to open up this fall, this fall, so six, five months from now, six months from now. Our full-blown facilities, our pre-K centers, which are going to house roughly 550 or so kids each. Those will open up in the 22-23 school year, so one more year from now. But we, we want as many families uh, signing up and ready to go that uh, as possible. So with that, ladies, thank you again. Appreciate everything you do. Uh, this has been Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers. Thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you soon. Take care of yourself. This has been an AMP production.